Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so welcome to another episode of the Readerly Report. This is Gail, and I am here with a special guest co-host who is Susie Boutry of Novel Visits. Susie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And we're very happy to have you. I mentioned on a very short episode last week that Nicole is taking a little bit of time off. She is safe. And thank you so much for everyone who commented and asked about her. She is safe. She's fine. She's healthy. Nicole lives in Manhattan, which I'm sure everyone knows has been the epicenter of Corona or one of the epicenters of Corona, but she is fine. So thank you for everyone who asked. But she is taking a little bit of time off and we are very excited to have Susie fill in for her for this week. So that we can talk about quarantine reading and what we're craving and enjoying during this period and also what we're excited about that's coming out in the next few months because we are in the midst of a massive book mother load, I think, right now. I agree. The summer's looking good. Looking very good. So do you want to tell everyone a little bit about you, what you do, where you live, and a little bit about your blog and your bookstagram? Sure. My name is Susie Boutry, and in my real life, I'm a, a middle school math teacher. I teach pre-algebra to seventh graders. So recently, I've been teaching from home, which has been a big change. But I've always loved to read. And for years and years, I kept journals about the books that I read. And my sister actually has a, a pretty big food blog. And she once in a while would have me do a special blog post where I would review some books on her blog. And after a while, I just started thinking, why am I not doing this for myself? And that was kind of the birth of Novel Visits. And so I've been doing it for four years. I've been on Instagram the whole time, but not I wasn't very active on it until the last year or so. And I actually have gotten, so I really love Instagram and Bookstagram. And there's times when I think about just going with just Bookstagram. Mm-hmm. The blog's a lot of work, as you know. The blog is a lot of work, yeah. <laughs> and I think like... I don't know. You can write a lot less on Bookstagram. You don't have to do those full reviews. Yeah. 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 It's tempting. I I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) How is the remote learning going? Remote teaching, I guess. Gosh, Gail. (laughs) We literally got the word on Thursday. We came to school on Friday. That was it. It was supposed to be six weeks. They sent us home. They told us not to check in on Monday and Tuesday to take Monday and Tuesday off. And then by like nine o'clock Friday night, they said, don't come in on Wednesday either. And anyway, we came, we didn't have to go in on Thursday. We could do it remotely. But basically on Thursday, they told us starting on Monday, we want you to be delivering education. (laughs) Go, (laughs) no training. I mean, we just had to use Google Classroom is what we were told. And really, basically, we have just figured it all out ourselves. And it's It's been a steep learning curve. There were tears in the beginning. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. There were tears on this end. I've got three kids who are doing remote. The older ones who are sophomores in high school, they seem to, they did not seem to need much help, like logging on, figuring things out. But my second grader, you know, I have to log them on every day. And the first day, also Google Classroom, trying to get on Zoom, trying to make sure I was logged into the right account on Zoom in order to get the Zoom to work with the Google Classroom. I was one day I was so frustrated. It was like his first day of class. And I was so happy for him to be able to see his classmates. And I couldn't log in. And I was just I was like screaming. I'm a pretty calm person. And I was just shouting. And I was so frustrated. And I was so frustrated for him because I wanted him to 
get on and see everyone. And he was so excited and I couldn't log on. And yeah, yeah it's annoying. It's been hard for everybody. I mean, parents, kids, everybody. everybody. And I don't know where you are, but where we are, at my level and below, it doesn't really count as far as your their grades can't go down from where they were yeah. when school ended. So is yeah, that how it is for you are too. Pretty much, yeah. One of my daughters, her school, they're both in private school. One went to pass fail. One, they basically were like, it can't go down from what you had third quarter. Yeah. And then my son is in public school in Maryland, and I think they're saying like it's. I think it's pass fail. I mean, it's only second grade, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and where are you? Located? I'm in Tacoma, Washington. So you're kind of in an epicenter too. You're in a hot spot as we are. Early on, yeah, we were kind of the hot spot, but it's it's pretty stable here now. Yeah. We'll see as things open up. Yeah. All right. So I have found in the last how many weeks now? Eight weeks that we've been home. I was thinking, well, thank God I have six thousand books on my TBR sitting here, plus the like eight books <laughs> I picked out of the library that now have no official due date. I was thinking at least one silver lining was gonna be that I was gonna get a lot of reading done. And sadly, that has not been the case. The, the month of April was a real low month for me. Like usually I get, you know, five or six books in, and I think I was at three, which for me was just super, super low. May has been better. And I've got some good books underway and I'm feeling a little more optimistic, but I have found, and I read an interesting article yesterday about why this is the case. I've just found it very hard to focus on reading, on anything that takes consistent concentration, sort of just beyond my own work. I agree. Even that's hard. Yeah. But you seem to be reading a ton because I, I read well, your blog posts and we can review and looking back and I was like, oh, there's three books. That's one week she read three books. Well, I, in March, I didn't read much. I did read a lot in April. I read maybe three or four audiobooks or listened to three or four audiobooks in April because I try to go for a walk every single day for like an hour. And I've been mm-hmm. pretty good about that. So then I'm always listening to a book. So that's kind of guaranteed seven hours of listening time in a yeah. week. You know, plus I've gotten a little bit better about doing things around the house with while listening to a book, which isn't something that I did in the past. So that kind of upped my numbers for April. But, and I read quite a bit in April too. I had a week of spring break, so that helped a little bit. But my problem has been, initially it was that I couldn't focus, that I would read for five minutes, I'd get up and do something. I'd read for five minutes, I'd come back and, you know, go do something in the kitchen. And so I was wasting a ton of time. April, I settled down, but I wasn't happy with hardly anything I was reading. You know, everything. The books, or was that just because our life is just so weird right now? Well, I wrote a, I kind of wrote a blog post about it a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure. I think some of it was the books. What would happen a lot of times is I would like the book for like first three quarters. And then it was just, I just wanted to be done with it. I just wanted it to be over. And I'd end up kind of skimming the last quarter of the book. I think it was part books, but I think it's a lot my mindset. And honestly, I don't really trust my own opinion about a book right now mm-hmm. because I feel like it's kind of off. Right. So maybe you're not judging it fairly or you're not yeah, reacting to it exactly. the way you might have done in say December when you could just sort of appreciate yeah. it more on its own merits. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've written that a few times where I have not been that happy with, you know, a book I've read since March. And I have said, I don't think this was the book's fault. I think it's just where I am right now. Yeah. And I think you and I have very similar tastes. I would say, you know, when I look at the books that you like, it's, if you've read something and liked it, I will generally like it too. Yeah, I agree. I think lot. I think we have super similar tastes in books. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about what have been the 
few, possibly few highlights over the last, say, month or so of your reading? Like what has stood out to you as something that, you know, got you to focus and that did not make you want to immediately put it away? (laughs) Well, when I look back kind of over the coronavirus time, Untamed by Glennon Doyle has probably, it's definitely, did you read that? I, I haven't yet. I just it's, swapped for it, so it's on its way to me. It's, it's It was just so inspiring, and she was such a great reader. It's her memoir, and she read so well, and I could relate to her as far as just her attitude towards things, and mm-hmm. and so that was a that was a really strong one that I liked a lot. Is it okay uh, if I haven't read Love Warrior, her first one? Yeah, I didn't read it either. That's the first thing I've read of hers. Okay. It's really about what happened to her life while she was on the book tour for Love Warrior. I mean, the basic thing is, I'm sure you've heard, is that she was on book tour for that. And at a conference, she met and fell in love with a woman. Mm -hmm. And then that kind and and Love Warrior was about putting her marriage back together after her husband had had an affair. Mm -hmm. So, and it really, I think it was really written, I got the impression from Untamed that Love Warrior was sort of written toward kind of a Christian market. And so there was a lot of controversy over her you know, ending her marriage for a woman and ultimately marrying her. But it was just very inspiring. And especially I read it really early in the coronavirus. And, you know, she just we talked about we can do hard things and, you know, we don't have to settle for this. And it was great. Right. Okay. So that was one that I really liked a lot that I've read recently. Another one. Well, I just finished Rodham last week. Oh, I'm I, in that right now. Are you? What do you think? Yeah. I like it. I'm I'm early. I'm also doing that on audio, kind of like you. I don't have a commute anymore. So I'm when I walk the dog and cook dinner, I'm listening to it. But yeah, yeah, I like it so far. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was one of the few books that really kept me engaged where I wasn't doing that up and down thing. And I could read it for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half straight. So I appreciate that. I mean, I don't think it's total five star book for me, but you know, four probably four and a half star book. Mm-hmm. I thought she did a really great job with reimagining a life for Hillary where Bill wasn't a huge part of it. So I didn't, I didn't love some of the things that happened in the end. So, but I won't give that away. (laughs) I have a question actually. I don't know if you know the answer to this. So for those of you who don't know what Rodham is, it is a fictional reimagining of Hillary Rodham's life. Had she not married Bill Clinton, had she turned down his third proposal, I guess, because I guess in, in real life, he proposed twice, and she said no. And then the third time she said yes. Yeah. So I'm in her early years, they're still at Yale Law School. And she's talking about anecdotes from her childhood, and into high school and college and men she's dated. And my question is, do you know if that's all based on reality? Like, are those are those relationships she talks about? Are they real? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I, I'm curious I, to know how much research look, she did. Well, before I write the review, I would like to, I'm going to do a little bit of research to try to find the answer to some of those questions, but I haven't delved into that quite yet. Yeah. I would imagine she did quite a bit of research. Yeah. I mean, I think she did for American Wife. American Wife. Yeah. So that, that would make sense. Okay. So Rodham and Untamed. And what else would you recommend from your Corona reads? There's this little book called A Children's Bible. It, the author's name is Lydia Millette. And I think she's written a lot of books. I've never read anything by her before. In fact, I think she was nominated for the Pulitzer for something that she wrote. And I guess I've gathered since I read the book that she writes kind of offbeat stories. And this was definitely one. So it's about 12 kids who are on vacation with their families, all staying at a big house somewhere on the East Coast. 
it, it, it appears. It never really says exactly where it is. And that most of the kids are teenagers. There's a few that are like nine and 10, but most of them are teenagers. And the parents are perfectly willing to just let the kids do whatever they want as long as they leave the parents alone. And the parents are drinking and drugging, having sex with other people. <laughs> and the kids are completely disgusted by their parents. And Anyway, it's narrated by a girl named Eve, and there's a huge storm that floods the area, you know, sort of mimicking the flood in the Bible and Noah's Ark. And, and then from there, the kids end up fleeing to safety because the place they're at is at risk and their parents aren't helping. And it's not a religious story, but things that happen are parallel to things that happened in the Bible. So mm -hmm. she follows kind of sort of the arc of the Bible in to get to kind of an end times story. So it's a little bit dystopian, a little bit fantasy, but and it's really short. It's only 224 pages, I think. And I just flew through it. So that book got a tremendous review. It was either today or yesterday in the Washington Post by Ron Charles, who's the oh, Washington really? Post. Yeah. And he, he's been on this show before. I'm a big fan of his. And he just was gushing about how great it was. I, Cli I thought it was, it was like a climate too. change dystopian yeah. novel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and I love the cover, the way yeah. that old fashioned font is so cool. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was just amazing. I mean, I was just so impressed that it was so cleverly done. And even as I was reading it, because I'm not a very religious person, but I'd be like, oh, yeah, I think this goes with this in the Bible. And oh, yeah, that's the story from the Bible. So I I'm not terribly familiar with the Bible, too. So I hope that if when and if I get to this book, it won't be lost on me, the stuff that, you know, the references and the stories yeah. and stuff. They're pretty, it's, it's pretty common stuff. So I think, I think you'd get a lot, most of it. Okay. Yeah. That's, I'm very intrigued by that book. Yeah. Good. What have you been reading? Um, so my highlights have been, I've talked about some of these on the show. So I apologize for listeners if this is repetitive. I'm finding one genre that's working for me is like pop culture nonfiction, which is sort of mm -hmm. odd because I would think that it would maybe seem given what's going on, that maybe this genre would seem sort of irrelevant or frivolous. But I read The Oral History of the Office by Andy Green. So if, I don't know, were you an Office fan? You know, no, I just never watched it. I don't know why. I've talked about this before in reference to this book. So the book would probably yeah. be lost on me, but I, I should go yeah. back and watch The Office. I know. Well, if you're looking for a show to binge, that's a great one. Yeah, it's a great show. I loved it. My kids loved it. We've seen every episode. So that was a lot of fun. I did that on audio. I have memories of cleaning the bathrooms on Saturday morning, <laughs> listening to The Office. And it was it certainly made the cleaning a lot more fun. So that was a good one. And then I did the Dibby Moore memoir, Inside Out, also on audio. So that's narrated by Dibby Moore herself. And that was totally engrossing. I mean, she's an interesting person. And I, you know, kind of grew up with those 80s movies and yeah. remember her from St. Elmo's Fire and About Last Night and all the movies she was in. And it was good. It's clear to me that Demi Moore has done a lot of therapy. There's a lot of like sort of introspection and explanation for maybe poor decisions Behavior. that she made. Yeah. And, and I've read somewhere like she sort of casts a lot of blame on a lot of other people for things that happened to her. It's probably all true, but I still found it a fun and engrossing book to read, interesting book to read, to listen to. Yeah. So that helped that I had a hard time putting that one down. And then my most recent, probably the best one I've read on the fiction side is I finally read Normal People by Sally Rooney. I had read Conversations with Friends a couple years ago, did not love it. 
I kind of stayed away from normal people last year when most normal people read it. All the book bloggers I know and my friends had all read it last year. And then when I heard that the Hulu series was coming out, the adaptation, I thought, well, I'd really like to read the book before I see the series, which I thought the series was really good. So I picked the book up and I ended up loving it. I thought it was great. Did you read it? I did. I read it last year and I just finished watching the Hulu series last week. I signed up for Hulu a couple weeks ago so I could watch Little Fires Everywhere. And then I realized Normal People was on there too. And I loved normal people, but it was, it followed the book very closely. But I would say, are you, you're done with normal people, right? I'm done with the book and I'm in episode four of the Hulu series. Isn't it almost harder to watch the series to see it happening between them and their relationship and the painful turns they take with each other? Well, part of it is that you know what's coming. Like when you're watching the series, you know, any when you see them have some moments of connection and happiness, you know deep down that it's not going to last. Like or it's going to yeah. come and go. That nothing yeah. is permanent with this couple. That they can't seem they can't quit each other, but they can't seem to be together either. Yeah. So yeah, it is a little hard to know what's coming and just to look in their eyes and think, I know the pain you're going to have <laughs> in the next, you know, in the next few episodes. The next episode. Um, <laughs> In the next episode, I know what's coming. So yes, I definitely hear that because the book, I was reading it and having no idea what was going to happen. So I didn't have that sort of like foreboding sense. I'm really enjoying it. And I think the acting is superb and it's the, a beautifully shot. The soundtrack is fantastic. And yeah. I'm just enjoying it because I'm kind of having the same problem with TV that I'm having with reading that I not I haven't really binged anything. I haven't stuck with anything. I've watched a lot of rewatches like Part of it is my kids will watch and be like, my son wanted to watch Back to the Future, so I watched that. But I'm not, I haven't like delved into anything sort of new that has caught my attention the way that that show has. Yeah, I haven't done a lot of that either. There's been a few, like Little Fires Everywhere, I did that. I think there was another thing I did early on. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say what I've been watching the most because I haven't been sleeping well at all. And so I'll wake up at like two or three in the morning. I can't go back to sleep. And so then I'll turn on, I have a TV in my bedroom. So then I'll turn on the TV and I've been watching, this is embarrassing. I've been watching the Great British Baking Show. Well, <laughs> it's very that soothing at night. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. People love that show. And I think, and I, I can see why it's a nice little escape from what it's we're just, contending it's, with. It's just so outside. different. I bake at all. So it's, it's just interesting to see. And I just set the timer. I usually fall back asleep while I'm watching it. But oh, that's funny. Soothing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm super like, stressed out, I just put on House Hunters International. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just I know something about that. It's so formulaic. I know the whole thing is staged. But it's just kind of fun to look at these houses in other countries and just sort of imagine, well, which one would I buy? You know, it's well, little, to get, little to, get to go to another country right now, too. Right, right. Some place other than my own backyard. Yeah. So I am also reading a book that I missed a couple years ago when it came out, Sing, Unburied, Sing by Jessamyn Ward. Did you read that one? I did read that. Yeah. That is a really beautiful and painful book. And this is not necessarily the time to read it. Yeah. I I would not have recommended that for this time. I, I think, you know, for the most part, lighter books are, or mysteries are easier to read right now. Yeah, that one is painful. It's, you know, for, if you don't know about that book, it's, it's, it takes place in the pleas- the present, but it has a lot of references and flashbacks to kind of really horrible institutional racism. And there's some kind of ghost elements in it. There's, there's 
characters who are dead who kind of come back to haunt characters who are alive and characters who died really horrible, painful deaths. And I think I picked it up because I'd heard also from Ron Charles, the person who gave the children's Bible such a good review. He had said, I think his wife had done it on audio, spoke really highly of the audio. So I started on audio and the audio is beautiful, just beautiful performances. But somehow I ended up switching to print and I've been doing it in print. So I've got about 20 pages left. And oh. I, think it, I think it was probably not the right time to read that book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that would be tough to read right now, I think. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about what's coming out because there's so much good stuff. Like, I feel like all of these favorite authors of mine have amazing books coming out right now or in the next maybe four to six weeks, which I'm yeah. really excited to pick up. So, and I know you and I like the same books and we're probably excited about some of the same books. I bet we are. So well, why don't we go through some of them so that our audience okay. can get these books on their TBR? I'd say get it on your hold list, but of course, <laughs> there's no libraries open. Although maybe libraries will start to reopen in the next well, couple of weeks. I went on my library's website last night because I, I was thinking they'd be a reopening and I thought, well, I can put some of these books on hold now. But a lot of them they didn't have available. So I don't know if they didn't get ordered because of the coronavirus or, I mean, and they're big books that you would expect the library to have, or they, yeah. nobody's there working to get them logged into the system. But for yeah. instance, the first one, which I know the library will have in, and so do, do you want me to start with my the first sure, one? Go ahead. Sure. Okay. So one I'm looking forward to that's coming out in the very beginning of June is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. And she's the author of The Mothers, mm -hmm. which came out, I don't know, I think maybe 2016. And have you heard about this book? I've seen it on a lot of lists. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, I never read The Mothers. It's sitting on my shelf somewhere. And you're, oh, that's you're another watching good me look at my bookshelf. It's <laughs> somewhere. I never read it. But I've heard that this is supposed to be great. What Tell us what it's about. Okay, so it's about, from what I gather from reading about it, I haven't read it yet. It's about twins who grew up really close as children, but something happened in their teenage years and they ran away from home, I think together, but then at some point they got separated. And then, so the story spans from like the 1950s to the 1990s. And one of the twins ends up moving back to their rural community where they grew up. They're a black family and she is living there. She has a daughter. And then the other twin never came back and has passed for white all her life and is married to a white husband who doesn't know anything about her past. And mm. so then the story's somehow about the coming back together and the connections between these two women. That but sounds really good. In the South and also in Southern California, I believe. I have yeah. twin daughters, so that sounds like something I would want. Are they identical? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I, I didn't pick that up in the synopsis, whether Ooh, that they are good. or not. Yeah. So, so okay, that's so what my, I'm really excited about. Yeah, that sounds very good. All right. So my first book is from one of my all-time favorite authors. It's Lionel Shriver, who is the author of books such as We Need to Talk About Kevin and Post Birthday World and Big Brother. And she writes just smart, intense, interesting fiction. And her latest book is called The Motion of the Body Through Space. It comes out on May 19th. And from what I understand, it's about a couple in their 60s. And the woman has always been kind of an intense exerciser. And then I think she has like an injury or something that she's got to sort of take a step back from all the exercise. And in the meantime, her husband, who 
has never been into exercise all of a sudden decides to start running and become like a, you know, a, a marathoner and he's, you know, changed his life. And I'm guessing, and from what I know about Lionel Shriver, you know, sometimes when people like get exercise, like they become sort of one trick ponies. It's like all they can talk about and yeah. all they, Obsessed. you know, becomes their identity. And yeah. I think that it's about sort of the effect on their relationship when he becomes obsessed. Yeah. This is what Amazon says, as I think his name is Remington. As Remington joins the cult of fitness that increasingly consumes the Western world, her once modest husband burgeons into an unbearable narcissist. So my guess is knowing Lionel Shriver, it will be biting and funny and realistic and yet also not gratuitously so. Like there's always a lot of heft to her writing. So I'm excited to read it. You can't read a Lionel Shriver book quickly, like her her language is so dense and rich and you have to really pay a lot of attention. So when I'm ready for this one, I'm, I'm really excited to pick this one up. I have a copy of this book sitting on my shelf and I picked it up a couple weeks ago and just sort of skimmed the first couple chapters and it does look really good, but it just didn't feel like the right book for me right now. And it was interesting because the only book of hers I've read is the post birthday world. So mm -hmm. It's interesting to hear you talk about that her writing being dense and maybe taking a little bit more work to get through. So I think that's what I saw when I picked up the book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, it's funny. When I first saw she had a book coming out, I was thinking, oh, I wish this were like six months from now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Because I feel like this one might get a little overlooked or a lot of people might have that reaction kind of like, this looks good, but I'm not ready for this right now. Yeah. 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 Okay. What do you have next? The next book I have is a book called The Second Home by Christina Clancy. It's a debut. I really like giving debut authors a chance. So this one is about three siblings, two sisters and a brother who was adopted. And they summer in Cape Cod. Maybe they live in Cape Cod. I'm not positive about that. But something happens that sort of divides them. And then 15 years later, their parents have passed away and it's time for them to consider selling this Cape Cod home. And the brother's been out of the picture with the, in their relationship for a long time, but I guess he resurfaces and whatever the thing was that divided them when they were kids, he wants to clear that up. And this book is told through the perspective of each of the three siblings, which I always like books that are told through multiple perspectives. So that was one of the reasons I was excited to read this and just kind of the beach Cape Cod setting seemed appealing. I have had that book on my shelf for a very long time. I don't know if I got it at Book Expo last year or something. Wow. I just had it forever. I, I don't, maybe it wasn't that long. It does sound really good and maybe a good summer read just for yeah. the setting. Yeah. I like those multi-perspective family sagas as well. Yeah. Well, those are among my favorites. So that right. was The Second Home by Christina Clancy. So my next one is another one of my favorite authors. It's J. Courtney Sullivan. She wrote, actually, a book I haven't read yet, Saints for All Occasions, which is supposed to be great. She wrote, what was the one? Oh, The Engagements. She's written a lot of books that I've really liked. And she has a new one coming out in at the end of June called Friends and Strangers. And it's about a friendship between, it says, a friendship between two women who are at very different stages of life. And I think it's about like a new mother who 
has lived in New York City for a long time, but then moves to a small town with her infant son and is kind of losing her identity and feeling sort of lost, you know, with this new life and lonely. And then she ends up befriending a much younger woman who is, I think she hires to babysit. Oh, I think and it's I all about, about Oh, you've read about it. Okay. Do you well, know anything I think about so. it? No, I just, just that I've heard of it because I've never read this author, but I think I've read a synopsis of it. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. Oh, no, that's okay. It's ringing, um, it's ringing bells with me. I think you would like her because, again, we have really similar taste and she just writes smart fiction, often from female perspectives. And I think you'd probably like her a lot. So I was really excited to see that she had a book coming out. Like it just added to my, you know, sense that every author I like has a new book coming out this year. So somehow I need to get my hands on this one. I don't have it, but I would love to get it. Well, there's, there's always electronic. There is always electronic. I just haven't embraced that. And I've got a bunch of books on my Kindle just waiting for me that I've gotten either off NetGalley or review copies yeah. they've sent me and I just just like I'll always pick up a hardcover book or a paper book over a Kindle do you like to read on Kindle I, I prefer to read on Kindle oh interesting um, I like to have the copies of the books to take pictures of and stuff but if I have an e-galley and the print book I'll always read the e-galley over the print book oh that's so interesting I know Sarah feels the same way I yeah I just I'm just super old fashioned with the reading. I love, I just love holding that book in my hand and looking at the cover and feeling in my fingers, like how many pages are left, you know, what, what percentage am I at through this book based on the what's between my two fingers, you know? Yeah, I could see that. I just, I think for me, I feel like I read faster on a Kindle and I like it that you can adjust the font size as I get older. That's been important to make reading easier. So Mm -hmm. That's an, that's one of the main things I like about it. And just the fact that I can stick it in my purse and it's light and, you know, I have it with me when I go places, when we were allowed to go places. Right, but. exactly. <laughs> Back when we left our homes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, what do you have next? Well, I have another twin book for you. Oh, good. So this one is coming out at the end of June and it's called Thin Girls by Diana Clark. It's also a debut. And the description describes it as dark, edgy, literary fiction. And so it's about two sisters named Lily and Rose. They are very close. I do get the impression that they are identical, though I'm not positive about that. And when they're teens, Rose just kind of stops eating and develops a really severe case of anorexia. And her sister makes up for that by starting to eat more. And so Rose takes a couple of rounds of rehab for anorexia throughout her life, but the two remain close the whole time. And then something happens in Lily's life, the one who's not anorexic. She starts dating kind of abusive men because she doesn't have her sister there to support her and help her. And then she ends up joining some kind of bizarre diet group that sounds like it's maybe a little cultish. And (laughs) the dynamic of the story sounds like takes a turn and then Rose is more supporting of Lily. So it sounds fun to me and a good, you know, feminist story about body image and how that can affect people. Yeah, there's a sounds like a lot going on with that book. Yeah, it does. Okay. My next one is and I believe that this book was maybe going to come out at a different time, but they sped it up. It's The Pull of the Stars by Emma Donahue, who's the author of Room. Oh, yeah. 
And it is about the great flu. So the pandemic of 1918. (laughs) (laughs) And it's about three days in a maternity ward at the height of the great flu in Dublin in 1918. And all about a nurse who's working in an understaffed hospital where expectant mothers who have come down with the flu are quarantined together. So this is probably one of those books that people will either flock to or run away from. Yes. (laughs) Given what's going on, they'll either say, I don't want anything to do with this because I'm living it right now, or I want to immerse myself in it. And I, I, it sounds like there is like a whole genre of pandemic fiction that's getting a lot of attention right now. I loved Room. I did not read Akin. I have it sitting on my shelf. I didn't read it. And I started to read one of, I forgot what the book was called, Frog Music or something after Room. And I did not like it. So I get the sense that sort of like Lionel Shriver, Emma Donahue is very much kind of all over the map in terms of the types of books she writes and the settings and the plots. But Room was, I found Room so amazing that I'm willing to, you know, give her another try. So this comes out on July 21st. So it's not for a couple more months, but. Yeah, I didn't have any idea she had another book coming out. I guess I've read all of her books as you go through them. There was there was one more in there called The Wonder. Oh, right. Yes. Came out a couple of years ago. And I pretty up and down. I mean, I loved Room. I liked Akin. I didn't care for frog music, just like you. The Wonder was work to get through, I felt like. Did you read that one? I did not. Mm -mm. So that's interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty relevant story to read right now. Yeah. I'm trying to remember frog music. I can't remember if I finished. I'm very, I very, very rarely put a book down once I've started it. So I, I don't think I DNF'd it, but I don't really remember it either. So she's had one hit for me, but it was so strong that has helped mitigate against the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Did you say this takes place in Ireland? This book? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And the, one, the Wonder took place in Ireland too. So kind of going back to her roots on those books. Yeah. Do you have any more to share? Do you want me to share another one? Sure. Yeah. I've got one more. So if you've got one okay. more, we can... So this next book comes out on July 7th. It's called Mother, Daughter, Widow, Wife. And the author is Robin Wasserman. She wrote a book a couple of years ago called Girls on Fire. That was her first adult book. And she also has written some YA books. So she's a pretty experienced writer. And I really, really liked Girls on Fire. So I'm excited to read another book by her. So this one is about a woman who is found on a bus in a fugue state. And so she has some kind of temporary amnesia and she ends up in a, nobody can identify her and nobody's missing her at this point. So she ends up in a mental health facility and agrees to some kind of experimental treatment to help her get her memory back. So it sounds like that there's a variety of people, including the doctors, some kind of aide in the hospital, and then her daughter that are all narrating again from multiple perspectives, the story of this woman, Wendy Doe, who has lost all her memories. And so that comes out in July and I'm excited to read it. Ooh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay, so my last one is one, I first of all, I think you've already read it and this is all over the place. So this is not an upcoming read, it's a current read, but it's also a, a new book out by an author I like and that is all Adults Here by Emma Straub. Did you have you read this one already? Yes. Okay. So this is family, a older woman who is living, I guess, living alone, and then she 
witnesses a bus accident that kills somebody that she knew and it sort of like awakens in her I don't know the need to come to terms with her kids I don't know you can probably describe this better than me because you've read it but I think it's like a typical Straub kind of family relationship domestic fiction is that would you say that's correct Yes, and it is. And that's exactly right. She, After seeing this woman suddenly die in front of her, it sort of makes her reassess her life. And she hasn't had a, a very close relationship with any of her kids, even though two of them live in the same small town that she lives in. It's not necessarily a negative relationship. It's just not a close relationship. She's not very bonded to her kids and the kids aren't bonded to her. And she she wants to make amends for some things she said in the past that were hurtful to her kids. And, and then the, you know, the kids all have kind of their own issues too. So you hear about it from what's happening with multiple people in the story. Each chapter sort of focuses on a different member of the family. And then another thing that triggers all this is her 13 year old granddaughter comes to live with her. And so now she has another person in the house and this isn't giving anything away because this happens in the beginning. She's, she's been a widow for years and she's secretly in a relationship with another woman and her kids know nothing about this. So she ends up, and this happens very early in the book. She ends up telling her kids because she wants to be honest about things. And so then it has to do with their reactions and how she feels about this relationship with another woman. Okay, so do you recommend picking this one up? I do. I really liked it. It's not super action-packed. It's a character-driven story. Yeah, I really liked it. I, I really liked it. It's probably like four and a half stars for me. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. I think I have it upstairs. I think I maybe got it from Book of the Month or an add-on or something like that. Mm-hmm. So for those of you listening who may be still casting around for a book and unable to commit, hopefully there's something on this list that will grab your attention and, you know, make you sort of excited to read and looking forward to it. And, you know, I think this is a great time to support authors, especially authors whose book tours were canceled and who's, you know, had whole marketing campaigns to support their new books. And those have kind of all gone up in smoke because no one's, no one's marketing and book expo has been canceled. So I really feel for authors that, you know, they're all their kind of traditional ways of getting the word out about their books with the exception of, of course, the blogosphere and, and bookstagram, a lot of those ways have kind of gone up in smoke. So, you know, if any of these things are appealing, get yourself on a, on a, you know, a pre-order list for them. I'm going to put in a little plug for bookshop.org, which is an independent online bookseller that shares its proceeds with independent bookstores. And you can even go on and find your favorite independent bookstore and designate the affiliate sales from whatever you buy will go to that store. And I think they've raised something like one and a half million dollars already just since basically just since COVID to help support independent bookstores. So yeah, and you go on and have, you know, like like the McDonald's, you know, billions served. They every time I go on, they've upped the the. And you can see the ticker of the amount of money that they've raised. Yeah, so I just recommend you know buying books right now if you've got the disposable income right now to spend on it. That it's a great place to to spend your money. So. Yeah. Susie, thank you so much for coming on and guest co-hosting the Readerly Report. It was great to talk to you. Thank you and, for having me. Oh, it's really fun. And I, you know, I really urge everybody, if you're not already following Susie on uh, either on her blog or on Bookstagram, do because if you like the Readerly Report, you're going to love novel visits because we like a lot of the same books. And I'm sure Nicole would say the exact same thing. Thank you. So yeah, you're welcome. So when when Nicole's back, we'll have you back on and then we can have a a three-way conversation. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be really fun. 
back in business. Thank you. Well, stay safe out there. How many more weeks of teaching do you have to do? We don't get out till June 19th. They extended the school year a week and we start really, we, we never start till after Labor Day. So we always go into June anyway. So yeah, till oh June boy. 19th, <laughs> a little over a month, but right. we finally have the hang of it, I will say, and things are going pretty smoothly now. So I actually have now kind of enjoy working from home. I like the ability to be able to just yeah. go for a walk in the middle of the day. There are definitely some nice things about it. There's a lot of flexibility. No, no commuting. You don't have to dress up. <laughs> exactly. It is nice. Yeah. Well, thank you again and stay safe. And I you hope the last month of school goes smoothly. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.